a king will rise. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. going to be talking a lot about Wakanda today and Black Panther. Joining me, Dan Pierce. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm looking forward to it. I was very happy to see that you went and actually got to the movie theater because I know you're not as big of a movie person as you are a TV fan. So I was like, I wonder if he's going to make it. So I texted last night. I'm like, who's all going to be here? And he's like, I'm going to be there. So good. I'm happy. It was a good time. Mo Walker, welcome. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Melody is in Vegas, so she is having all kinds of other fun than watching Black Panther. But I'm looking forward to this discussion. I think that there is a lot to discuss, both what it means for the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. But first, quick takes. Mo, let's have you go first. You're you're more of the comic book fan than the rest of us. Did you read any Black Panther comics growing up? Yeah, actually, I'm more familiar with a lot of the stuff from the 90s forward. Um, and, and actually, uh, it was a gentleman named Christopher Priest wrote probably the longest Black Panther ongoing series starting in the late 90s, wrapping up in the early 2000s. And a lot of the stuff that they pulled from, from the movie, um, some of those characters originated from from that series so i'm i'm a i'm a huge fan of the the character and more of its most recent iterations i honestly in the in the 80s and and in the early 90s i really wasn't that big of a fan to be perfectly honest there wasn't a lot of black panther material uh during that time period okay uh dan did you ever read any comics i have um, i personally have um not other than like the world of wakanda recent run i haven't really read anything other than that yeah i i really haven't i'm not really familiar with uh any of black panther the wakanda lore or anything like that so between this and civil war it's really given me a chance to learn more about the character learn more about wakanda as a whole and its people and the technology and the advances in science that they're behind and i think that marvel did a fantastic job in introducing uh T'Challa into the Marvel Universe in in Civil War. It was a great way to do it. But what I loved about this film, and we'll use this as sort of the segue into the quick takes, was how much it opened up an entirely different universe to us. Almost the same way that Guardians, or basically the same way that Guardians of the Galaxy did when it gave us the outer, um, the space epic, shall we say, that we got through Guardians of the Galaxy. It opened up another component the way that Doctor Strange at, um, opened up the world of magic to the Marvel Universe. In this case, we get a world of highly advanced technology that is not alien in of itself though it may be alien inspired or asteroid inspired um shall we say mo what was your uh quick thought on black panther i thought it was a phenomenal movie i thought like you said before it really opened up a whole new world in terms of the marvel cinematic universe i thought it did a really good job of just making sure that this this felt like a 
a solo film as in it wasn't it referenced the marvel cinematic universe but it wasn't necessarily in my opinion setting up another film it was more it was very much a standalone film i thought it had a powerful message as well deep embedded within this the fantastic technology the super heroics the espionage you know there was a lot of food for discussion and i think you can walk away from that discussion really thinking about the message that was embedded within the film in the context of today's society dan what was your quick take on it absolutely gorgeous inside and out i loved this film it's probably my favorite marvel film to date just incredible like just the way that they introduce different characters and the way they go about their storytelling and having everything rooted in like the idea of protecting what Wakanda was versus what it could be to the world and really challenging uh, like the precedents and going about all of these different ways. Like, cause this is the first time we've had a sort of sympathetic villain that people could actually sort of root for. Oh, you know, the- but wait, 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 wait. What about Loki? L- Loki had his tricks and jokes and he was, fun and funny but But he he wasn't wasn't, sympathetic he wasn't actively like trying to overthrow oppressive governments there's a certain aspect to that that a lot of people could relate to in terms of like oh hey you know he's trying to use the resources that wakanda has sort of been keeping under its own hat to like help other people and that makes sense and that's cool and that's awesome and it's one of those things where I you we've never seen something like that from a Marvel movie. And just from, like, villains in general in terms of movies, we, we don't really get that a lot. And so it was really refreshing. The acting was phenomenal. Just, I, I, I truly enjoyed this movie. I, this is definitely now top three. Um, it might be number one. Uh, that's going to be very hard for me to pick. Um, we may have to do a top five uh, Marvel um, Universe movie podcast at some point because these recent additions are making things really tough. Like Guardians in the Galaxy, I the first one, I adore it because of the humor. But Iron Man will always have a very special place in my heart because it was the first one. But Black Panther as a film is almost a pivot point for the universe, at least in my opinion. There was depth and character development in this film that we have not seen in to as extensive in the other Marvel um, Universe films. And I was blown away by how they incorporated it all. It was, I mean, yes, we have... Um, sad moments, gripping moments, funny moments in the various um, Marvel films. Thor Ragnarok was a blast just because of how much they incorporated the humor in it. But I really feel like Black Panther set the stage for a new wave of Marvel films and what can be done or how those films can be told. It doesn't have to quite use the Marvel formula that we've become accustomed to. 
I think that this could really open the door for more to come. Let's dive a little bit into the film. Uh, it opens with us getting a little bit of a backstory as to how the Wakandans came to be blessed with the technology that they have. And, uh, a vibranium asteroid struck Africa um, and created and imbued the Earth with a lot of... I, I, maybe imbued is the wrong word, but it impacted the Earth with a lot of... Vibranium. I, I, I realize this is a terrible description now that I'm thinking about it, but it 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 impacted everything from the plants to the animals to um, the people themselves. They realized that they could consume it, and in doing so, one of them could become the leader of these five tribes. And I loved how they differentiated between the tribes, the river tribes, the mountain tribes, the colors, the art. Everything was fantastic, and how they we learned that part of the mythology is is that when a new black panther is crowned every one of the tribes has the opportunity to put forth a combatant to possibly win the throne for that tribe we got to see that with t'challa he won the first face-off but at the same time going back just a little bit the film also gave us a flashback to his father arriving in California on a flying space, uh, not space, I guess, but a flying um, spacecraft that had cloaking detection way back in the 90s, which we didn't really have the kind of stuff that they have there. Um, and how he discovered that his younger brother was trying to incite rebellion or an, um, wanting to use Wakandan um, technology and vibranium to help free or bring liberty to or raise the standard of living for people of African descent who outside of Wakanda have not always had the greatest of experiences to put it very mildly. What did you think of that explanation Mo? What did you think of the dynamic between uh, T'Challa's father, his brother, and how that basically kicked off the story of T'Challa and Killmonger. Well, okay. In, in terms of the origin of the uh, vibranium more or less saturating the earth, I thought it was a very beautifully done uh, scene. And it was a very simple scene to follow as well in terms of the the uh, the 3D imagery and so forth. It was very engaging, nice shorthand. So I think they did a really good job of that. And I think the Marvel films are figuring that out, like to kind of get their origin kind of stories out uh, quicker, um, just using a lot of animation. But in terms of the sort of things with, um, we're kicking off between uh, Sterling K. Brown's um, and Jobu, who, uh, who is uh, T'Challa's uncle, and T'Chaka's uh, young, um, younger brother, I thought that clearly when they started the flashback back in 1992, I be believe, Yep. and they showed the kids, and I was like, okay, Killmonger is one of those kids. I At that point, I wasn't sure about the familial connections, but I was like, yeah, he's one of those. He's one of those kids. He sees something, something happens. If that's what's going to kick this off, um, but it was just interesting, you know, how they really um, and Jobu was like really more or less. He he became like this very radicalized sort of. I would even say like extremist Malcolm X 
type figure and and i think 92 is very interesting considering you know what was going on in america in 1992 with rodney king and all that other stuff that was going on in la and so i thought it was just very brilliant how they just dovetail those two things together and just underneath this undercurrent of this film you know that that all those the racial issues and stuff that have been going on in this country um it just it just seeps throughout the film and, and I, I think it was a great way to a great way to kind of set up the film and not make t'challa uh not t'chaka you know this perfect figure because he was more or less martyr uh, he was became a martyr in captain america civil war when he was when he was killed and so this kind of shows that he he like he was just like any other human being he was flawed he makes mistakes and as a ruler of a country you know sometimes you got you make mistakes you pull the trigger on something you take somebody out you know even though you think it's for the better good of your country and your nation you know that may have repercussions and as we saw those repercussions came back to bite bite wakanda big time dan what'd you think I agree 100% with Mo. I I really enjoyed the character dynamic with T'Chaka and really readdressing the sort of sense that he was this beloved king, you know, on the outside and everyone loved him. He was devoted to his family. He was devoted to Wakanda. Um, but at the same time, he had his flaws that, you know, were apparent in... Killmonger's rise and was something that Zuri kind of had to live through uh, as the years went by and stuff like that. Um, and it, it, I personally really, really enjoyed them addressing, you know, the American side of things in terms of Oakland and all of what was going on in California at the time. Um, I thought that was really powerful and it really showed through and, you know, just, just super well done. We were introduced to a number of characters. Um, We don't have time to like touch on like every one of their story beats, but we were introduced to, um, well, obviously we're going to have to discuss Killmonger because that's Michael B. Jordan. Hey, Reggie from all my children. Um, the but he was the primary villain. He's coming back to avenge his father. He wants to now um, use Wakandan technology to uh, basically unsettle the world as we know it, um, reorient the base of power in the world from the United States to Wakanda, and I. It was one of those things where I did feel sorry. Like I I don't know that I felt sorry, but I definitely understood where he was coming from in terms of what happened with his father, the poverty, the horror, the things that he had seen. And I empathized with the character, I guess it is. Um, He came back. We got to see Claw. Uh, I was talking to a friend about it. He was like, the first half of uh, Black Panther was a black James Bond. And the second half of Black Panther was a black Lord of the Rings. Because I was telling him, it's like, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, this is black Lord of the Rings set in modern day, like set in a modern context. Because when you're watching the fight scenes later, when when we get to it about the rebellion, I'm like... 
The only difference between the Wakandans riding a rhino, there's no difference between the Wakandans riding a rhino and the elves riding an elk in Lord of the Rings. I'm like, this is basically Black Lord of the Rings, but they were like, yeah, it's Black Black Panther or it's Black James Bond and Black Lord of the Rings, which I thought was an interesting thing. The only thing we were missing was Idris Elba, but that might be because he's in um, Thor's world. But we got to meet his um, T'Challa's younger sister Shuri, who on Twitter, there was someone who tweeted, was like, my favorite Disney princess, and I'm so there. I love her. I need to see a movie with her and Tony Stark and maybe Peter Parker, because I think Peter Parker could have a crush on her, and I would love to see how she reacted to that, but I definitely just need a Shuri and Tony Stark movie. Angela Tell Bassett. that to Bucky, though. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. There were sparks there. Yes, oh, there were. I loved it. Um, Angela Bassett was fantastic as Ramonda. I loved her. She, her. Listen, everybody who's ever listened to a podcast of mine knows that I am sucker for a diva in a good hat and outfit, and she brought it. I hadn't realized until afterwards that the actress who plays Michonne in The Walking Dead was Okoye. And when I realized that, I was like damn, no wonder she's so fantastic because I loved her in Michonne. She was one of my favorite characters before I stopped watching uh, The Walking Dead, but she had fantastic chemistry with Wakabi. I loved their chemistry. It was a lot of fun. I loved that their rivalry and the fact that he was part of the reason that Killmonger took the throne and then they went to war and when it came down to it, when he basically told her to choose between her country and him, he realized that she was going to, or she said that she was going to choose Wakanda, and he laid down his sword and called off the battle. I loved that. Mabaka, Winston Duke, like I knew he looked familiar, but I didn't know where from, so I had to IMDB him and discover that he was in person of interest. Him as the mountain tribe uh, leader and the joke about them being vegetarians, I was like, damn, that is some really good plant protein that those people are eating up there in the mountains. Mo, who were your favorite characters and who would you like to see more of? Well, you know, um, definitely Shuri. I mean, she she was, she is, you know, the Marvel, I would say the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Disney princess, easily. <laughs> uh, definitely love to see more of her in her her panther gauntlets, her vibranium panther gauntlets, which were really really cool. Um, I am interested in in a bit more about Mbaku, just because how this it's such a radical shift in how the character is usually portrayed in the comics. I'm very very thankful when it came to this comic this character that they let's just say they filed off the more racist undertones that come with this character and they did not use the um, that character's more comic booky type name um, I would I, I to be perfectly honest I would love to get more of that backstory on um, uh, uh, job um sterling k brown's character um i just it's just something about just finding out more about the war dogs in general and just you know how the wakanda would just send these agents to start infiltrating all these different countries just to kind of like just 
see what's going on. It's it has this very sort of the Americans type overtone to it. If you're familiar with that show on FX about these Russian spies who are embedded in themselves in the U.S., um, I'm I'm and again, like like you said, I'm also interested in more about Wakabe and um, oh, oh, Koya. I'm going to screw these names up. Their oh, relationship. trust me. I had to go and like <laughs> listen to the pronunciations on Google before this podcast started because everybody knows I'm terrible with names. And I'm like, there is no way I'm going to make it through without notes. <laughs> so I'd like to see more about their fam- their relationship and their dynamic, especially like, you know, after this sort of revolution, you know, what, you know, you know, do they get up in the morning and go back to normal or is there tension in their relationship? Because I think that was also really, really interesting as well. Um, and, and of course, I'd like to see more of the um, more of Martin Freeman's Everett K. Ross character, because, you know, he was introduced in the 90s and the Christopher Priest Black Panther ongoing series. And the character's a little tweaked here. Um, he certainly... This version is certainly much more assertive than the comic version has was at least portrayed initially, uh, but it they kept this kind of really oddball um, kind of buddy cop drunk type parallel between T'Challa and uh, Ever and Ross, and I'd like to see that continue because they can get a lot of comedic laughs out of that and. I think that that could be like a, a really interesting conduit into how, you know, the United States as a superpower sees Wakanda suddenly showing up on the map and like, oh, well, the U.S. was the super, the quote unquote superpower, but Wakanda got all this vibranium and it's like, uh, we don't Tony have any- Stark's stock is uh, like Stark industry stock is going to go through the toilet now. Well, see, and, but this is, makes it interesting. It goes back to, you know, again, how, what does Tony Stark know about Wakanda? Because if you remember in Captain America, the first of the first Captain America film, his fa- father, Howard Stark, gave Tony that, uh, I mean, not Tony, gave uh, Steve his, his shield, which was made of vibranium. So it's, I'm kind of curious about what exactly does Tony Stark know about Wakanda? Um, but, you know, you can really set up a, a much more of an interesting parallel and a dynamic now that we know a lot more about Wakanda and uh, versus, versus Tony Stark. Maybe we'll get a little bit of that in uh, one of the upcoming Avengers movies. Dan, what did you think of the characters? Who really stood out for you? And I'll give I'll toss this one to you, but then I'll um, have Mo follow up on it. Did you guys really think that T'Challa and Nakia had very much chemistry? Because um, in comparison to Okoye and Wakabi, I was like, they don't have quite as much chemistry. But what, who were your favorite characters? Well, first of all, Shuri is just a gift. She's so awesome and so funny and so smart and so badass. It's it's phenomenal to see, and I want more of her. And I'm so excited that so much like from what everything's leading, you know, Infinity War, Wakanda is going to be in the forefront. They're bringing back a ton of characters. It's going to be great. Um, also, uh, quick side note: shout out to Soap Central for finding. 
like the original footage of Reggie's debut when everyone suddenly realized the first week that the character was on screen, he was played by Chadwick Boseman. Boom. Wait, what? What? Yeah. Hey, wait, you got it mixed up. I, wait, wait, wait. You, you mean Michael B. Jordan? No, the first week, like, he was recasted with Michael B. Jordan after the first week. Really? However, I... <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry, yeah, no, they they uh, they tracked down the footage from 2003, um, which is phenomenal. Just oh yeah, to... IMDb does have him as a credit. I would have like, and it's literally Reggie Porter Montgomery number one. That is awesome. I did not realize that. Kudos to them because when you think about Reggie, you think of Michael B. Jordan as mm-hmm. Reggie. But yeah. obviously he wasn't. I mean, I I had watched Michael B. Jordan in um, The Wire, so I was familiar from that with him from that. So like because I had that familiarity when he took over, I didn't even rem- like all these years have passed and I didn't even remember that there had been a previous one. That yeah, because it's literally listed as as Chadwick's first acting credit. Mm. Isn't that crazy though? Like all of these years later, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, Killmonger was definitely up there for me. I I enjoyed Ross, and I liked that they didn't play him too much. Like, they played him just enough that, like... Because, like, any character left over from previous Marvel movies could easily eat a new Marvel movie. Like, it very easily could have been overwritten. Uh, but I feel like he was played just the right amount... I really enjoyed uh, Okoye and Wakabi's uh, relationship, and I thought they had a lot more chemistry than Nakia and T'Challa did. I like Nakia. I just don't think she has chemistry with T'Challa. Uh, Agreed. However, Agreed. I, yeah, I, I, I agree as well. Because, like, Nakia is, like, this badass spy who's will, who wants to, like, be on the ground and working and stuff like that. Uh, I also really enjoyed Zuri. I I really thought that was really cool seeing Forrest Whitaker like go through all of the guilt that he might carry uh, being the one that was going undercover, you know, having, you know, T'Chaka's brother be killed like that. And just all of that stuff that was weighing on them in terms of leaving Killmonger behind and stuff like that. I... I thought that was so cool. And I also really enjoyed the fact that I like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the actor who played, uh, Zuri, like young Zuri in the past was actually Forrest Whitaker's son. Yeah. I do yeah. not know the answer to that. No, no, that is correct. I did look, I, I looked that up cause I was curious. No, no, no. Yeah. For, for both of them, actually both, both the Chaka and uh, young Zuri, they were both played by their sons. That's fantastic. That's so cool. Um, but I just there's so much, so many great, well fleshed out characters in a solo movie, and that so rarely happens with Marvel that I really appreciated it. Uh, Mo, so what did you think of T'Challa and Nakia? Did you think they have chemistry, or did compared to the others, they were a little bit lacking? I would say they were lacking. I mean, personally, in terms of my background with with potential romantic interest with black panther um the only one that i've ever given him i think black panther should be with at this point is storm from the x-men 
that's that's just me coming back from my comic perspective. Uh, because any other love interest I'm familiar with in the comics with the, uh, T'Challa have just been duds except for Aurora. Well, but now that Disney now that Disney is getting the X Men back. I've, I've thought about that. I've thought about it. Oh, I, yeah, I did, I too, because I, I haven't read the comics, but I am aware that that pairing has happened just from things that I've read about Storm's past and or listened to on, like, the Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. Um, so I have heard about that, and I'm like, oh, if we get a good Storm and she's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and she gets to be paired up with T'Challa, that could be hot. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the CGI. So, going into this podcast, some of the things, uh, some of the comments that I had read online had been that some people weren't too happy with some of the CGI. 99, 98% of it I was okay with. I actually thought that the weakest parts were when Killmonger and T'Challa were on the other plane. When T'Challa goes back and sees his father, and I realized that they could sort of get away with it being a green screen because it was like a fantasy plane of the dead, but it it didn't quite fit. It, it felt off. It didn't have depth. It seemed very flat, and when you're used to having CGI that actually has some depth based on how they've done things with green screens, I was a little bit disappointed with that. Um, however, that's a small quibble. Um, in c- comparison to the rest of it, I loved the vibranium trains. I loved the technology in Shuri's um, labs. I loved the fight scene um, choreography and CGI and how they did everything that they did with the rhinos and the shield. Like the, the These um, Wakandans have been wearing this garb with the long like capes, which you think might be something that they, is like a blanket or whatever, and then it turns out that it's a shield. I love the various weapons and that aspect. So I was very happy with the CGI. I mean, the CGI on it was infinitely better than what we had to deal with in justice league um and even but even by like marvel standards i thought it was pretty good cgi dan did you have any problems with the cgi i think the only issue that i had with the cgi stemmed from the train fight okay there were there were certain cuts from the train fight that looked like a video game cutscene, like in similar fashion i was expecting like press x at this point you know one of those like interactive cutscene type situations um aside from that everything else looked really good and that's such like a minor complaint of mine that i'm not even like overly upset about it i'm just kind of like okay that's that's fine mo did you have any thoughts on the cgi um well it seems like i guess is cgi for us the new hair and makeup for uh, well, it could be considering considering Superman's mustache had to be CGI removed. Uh, but but specifically with Black Panther, you know, I really didn't have much of a problem with the CGI. I, I, but something about the the rhinos, though, they it just something about them when they when T'Challa touched him the first time when him and uh, Bukabe were you know, looking at that one rhino initially, and they were touching it. Just something about it. Just it felt like he didn't really like touch the rhino if if that 
makes well, sense. Well, that's sort of like the common thing that you'll see in CGI where you see the person that they're putting their hand against a cheek and the cheek isn't actually there and it never, ever looks right. Yeah. Yeah, probably that. I mean, I went into this thinking, you know, with the massive amounts of technology, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of CGI. But I was, I was just thankful that ultimately it wasn't going to be the lead character i.e. Black Panther fighting some sort of massive CGI villain like we've gotten in Justice League or Wonder Woman that he was actually going to be fighting, you know, people. <laughs> so so well, I was very thankful for that. Uh, but otherwise, I really didn't have much problems with C- the CGI. And what I liked about this film, and I, w- I sort of want to use this as a segue, um, I thought that this film was strong from beginning to end, whereas Wonder Woman the third act and the CGI extravaganza that wasn't that great of CGI is for me always the weakest point of Wonder Woman. There wasn't that in this film, but as I was sitting there in the theater watching this, in addition to the thought about this being basically black um, Lord of the Rings or black James Bond, I was thinking it's like, wow, now I get a little bit of what it must be like and and by no way shape or form am i trying to make this at any way shape or form parallel but over the years jamie various other people have told me about how how important having icons and people in the public represent themselves and i had not i i realized it some with wonder woman and the fact that there were so many women who were extremely happy to see wonder woman as an embodiment of so many of the things that they wish that they had as um, girls growing up, the girl power that's involved in it. And it was very meaningful to them to see it brought to the big screen. And for me, I was like, wow, I can only imagine what this must be like for black America to be seeing this film. And when you see the photos of people who are just celebrating this on Twitter and on social media, you get a sense of how important that is. I also think that it's very interesting that in both Black Panther and Black Lightning on DC, in DC, the DC TV universe on the CW, both of those, both um, properties are much more character driven. The depth on both of those, um, both the film and the TV show, they are addressing things that you don't see really in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You don't necessarily see them in the Arrowverse. And I was talking to Jamie a little bit about this, and he's actually, he and I are going to be having a separate discussion. He wasn't able to make the podcast, but it's going to be at the end of this episode. I was having a discussion with him last night, and I was like, you know, Jamie, you've told me over the years about how in your experience you've been told by your elders that for a black person you have to do something ten times better be, um, or else just because you may be more qualified than the other person, but you have to do it 10 times better just to compete. And when I'm sitting there watching Black Panther, I was like, this film is 10 times better. And maybe I've just answered my question about what the best film in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, but I'm like, this film is the embodiment of that principle. And I don't, maybe I'm misunderstanding, like maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but I would be very interested, Mo, to get your perspective on what this meant to you 
if that even relates, maybe I'm off base, but I, I would be interested to get your take on that aspect of this film or, and even say black lightning. Well, um, so, so the, so I think not to make you representative of all black people. (laughs) That is not my intent because I will be bringing this back up with Jamie. I had hoped to have you both on the same podcast so that I could ask it. But like last year when we had the, um, the black geekdom podcast, which, people really enjoyed we got to discuss some of that and so for me this is more sort of a follow-up that the same way wonder woman last summer was a follow-up to the female geekdom podcast and so i'm just curious to see what you think on it well yeah i mean like jimmy's right i mean uh and to borrow a page or borrow a quote from um scandals papa pope you know when he told olivia you know you gotta work twice as hard to get half of what they have um or got, is what Papa Pope said. So, yeah, Jamie's right. I mean, to me, I mean, just, it's, I've been, I've been reading comic books since the 80s, since, since I was a small child. And so, um, you know, there, I'm just, it's very nice to get characters who, you know, look like you in terms of complexion. Not necessarily have the same backstory, but but there's some similar enough parallels that you can see something in that character when you see them in the pages of that comic. And so when we got, so for me maybe it was it's going back to Storm from the X Men and or Cyborg from the the Teen Titans. And so you know as I saw that these characters transcended other media properties, I get really really excited because oh yeah here's this character you know, who's a great character, you know, and they're also black or African-American or whatever. And that, you know, that shows to me that my character, the character that looks like me, that can, you know, be in the same room or or be in the same breath as, say, you know, like your Batmans, your Superman and your Spider-Mans or whatever, because, you know, 20 years ago, you know, people were very much familiar with the X-Men cartoon. But once that that X-Men movie came out, you know, it's something just just everybody knew who Storm was, you know. And and, and you people could make the case that, you know, Storm is a great character in the same breath or same superhero in the same breath as Superman Batman. And I think that Black Panther is doing that now. And and, and is doing that, you know, at a time where you know, we have, you know, more and more representation on television and so forth. Because I'll tell you, I really enjoy Black Lightning. Black Lightning is delving into a like, like Black Panther, but um, on but much more of a smaller scale. It's delving into very, you know, kitchen table issues that are going on in America today. And um, and if you know anything about the history of that character, Black Lane, it's very interesting that they're using that character to to um, to showcase that 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 message. And um, it's it's very very important that I think that everybody, not just black, but you know, if, if I'm Latina, Latina, or I'm Asian, or, or whatever, that that there's some character out there that you know, represents me and that that's able to transcend various types of media. And that can be, you know, on display and, and sits in that pantheon with all of traditionally been uh, predominantly white superhero characters. I think that's totally understandable. I was just like, for me, I was just thinking about it to myself. 
I love European history and for me and medieval history and a period piece. But coming out of Black Panther, I was thinking about it and it was like, you know, I just take for granted that all of the, these stories that I love are about stories that look like me and very rarely involve someone else, like someone of an, um, another ethnicity. And so the closest I could come to and is like what I mentioned earlier was this would be my black Lord of the Rings mm. because like the pair, like the fight scenes when the rebellion was going on, that seemed very, you got, this film has the modern technology, but it, it was very interesting to, for me to watch this film. Dan, I want, I want to have you get it, provide a little bit different take on a slightly different angle of it. I thought the allegory in this film was also very interesting. The fact that Wakanda in many respects has gone through or was exhibiting behavior not that dissimilar to what the United States is now. Um, Wakanda for thousands of years has basically been an island unto itself. And we're seeing that happen in our socio-political environment today in which there is very much an attitude in various circles about putting walls up and basically consolidating shall we say, so that we are safe and everybody, everyone else can go to hell. I thought that in addition to the, the other components, I thought that that was something that was unexpected. At least I was not expecting to get that story out of Black Panther from a sociopolitical context today. Um, what did you think of that aspect? I thought that was very well done. Um, something I... I had always heard, uh, kind of growing up, uh, you you can't raise your shield and extend your hand to help someone. Like you you need to be able to trust, you know, a- extend that level of trust, and that's something that many circles within the United States um, are having a hard time remembering. I I thought in the context of Black Panther, we got to see a lot of that displayed from the traditions of, well, Wakanda has always been in, in this bubble. It's always been in this isolated atmosphere for, you know, our own, you know, to hide ourselves from the world because of what was going on with colonialism at the time and wars and all of these different things. Um, they they didn't feel I, I I could be wrong about this, but they didn't necessarily feel that the world was trustworthy for this amount of technology that they would use it for bad purposes. And, you know, in 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 assuming that and feeling that way, um, you know, they weren't able to help the amount of people that they could have helped, you know, with medicine, with technology, with science, with all of these different aspects to everyday life that many people around the world struggle with. And, you know, as it pertains to, you know, modern times today, we we live in a country of a lot of surplus, a lot of privilege in terms of what we have. And you know, extending that hand to help is, is not about it. It's, you're not thinking of yourself in doing so. So why, why would you hoard? I, I, 
you get what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm struggling yes. with the words. Yeah, because yeah. It, no, 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 it, no, no, no. Whenever you start trying to discuss pop culture and social issues, it can be a little bit difficult as me um, trying to express myself to Mo without making him be representative of all black people. It's just part of the discussion, and it's not always easy. Sometimes awkward is good. Yes, and, and there's no sweeping statements or generalities involved when you're in that type of discussion as we saw with black panther where you know it it could have easily been oh t'chaka was a great king that but now he's gone that's that well no let's dive into his his highs his lows you know yes he led he was a family man. He led Wakanda to great successes and great advancements within their own uh, country. But at the same time, you know, he left Killmonger. He killed his brother. Like there, there are other aspects to a character, just like there are other aspects to this type of discussion where, you know, you're going to have your highs and lows. And that's something that you need to keep in mind from, you know, sociopolitical vantage point where when you're having these when either you're making policy or having these types of discussions you you need to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand that generalities have no place in either making those types of laws or having these types of conversations um and i think that's something that i hope people take away from black panther um, and I hope they understand the, the amount of just work that went into creating that type of dialogue. Uh, I, I know um, Brian Coogler uh, has done fantastic work with the three movies that he's directed, just knocking it out of the park with Prevail Station and Creed and now Black Panther. I, I'm very interested – and hope he stays around for a possible Black Panther 2. And I'm excited to see what other types of films he creates moving forward. Any other final thoughts on this as we wrap it up, Mo? Well, I, I, I appreciate the fact that as difficult as it is to have these discussions, that we are trying to have these discussions, because I think that even these, you know... It's, it's, we have to have the conversations and it's like Dan said, we gotta, we, we got, you guys are saying, we gotta have the conversations. And I think just having it in, in a, just being able to have this discussion is really important. I think that, that people who, who listen to this and, and even us, we can take things away from, from this conversation that, that maybe we can, can do something to make things better. Um, but I also want to say a uh, final thought. Uh, well, one of my final thoughts is, is that, uh, yeah, um, Reggie 2 was right, <laughs> a.k.a. Killmonger. <laughs> that, I saw you put that on Twitter. Um, and speaking of Twitter, uh, before we get to Dan's final thought, I'm currently doing a little bit of a facelift on geekconfidential.com, so I'm not exactly sure when that's going to go live. So if you want to comment on this, you can hit us up on Twitter. We're all there. We all love to engage. I'm at Luke underscore Kerr. Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 Correct. And Dan is at, at Dan Pierce. Real, real Dan Pierce. Real Dan Pierce. And Mo is, or not Mo, and Mel, who is not here, but I'm sure she will have a lot to say about Black Panther when she's next on, is at Melody Akles. Dan, what were your final thoughts? I absolutely adore the film. I thought 
obviously we've talked a lot about the acting and the characters being flawless. I also really enjoyed the music. I, as soon as I left the theater, I put the purchase order on the, the album just right away. I've been playing it on Spotify, but I felt like I needed to support Kendrick Lamar's efforts even further. I, I just thought it was fantastic. I loved how beautiful everything looked whether it was the the skyline the clothes the costumes the makeup the people like everything is just so pretty and i i adored it so much and the conversations that have been inspired based on the success of the film i'm just i i gotta say it wakanda forever out of five stars my hands are crossed across my chest I, I I feel like that that's the best four, five out of five that you could possibly give right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Be that way. Don't give me five out of five. Mo, what do you give it? I give it a four point seven five. I think I'm there with you. I think that I'm I'm going to give this a five. I'm yes. going to give it a five out of five because yeah, you Wakanda are. Wakanda rules the world. Um, I. I cannot wait to see another one of these films. And I am also looking forward to seeing how Wakanda and its technology are now incorporated into Infinity War. Because when we first saw those trailers, it was one thing to see the trailer. It's now another thing to go back and rewatch that trailer, knowing what we know about Black Panther and the and Wakanda and how that's going to factor in to Infinity War. I cannot wait. You know what's really cool about all this, too? It, like, it's gotten us excited about Infinity War in a way that lead-ins for other Marvel films before, like, a big Avengers or anything like that haven't before. Like, this, this is getting the hype as high as possible. And I don't think any other Marvel film before like an Avengers or before a civil war have been able to do that to this level of success. Assuming that my, assuming that everything works out and Jamie and I are able to have a discussion, hang on for that. If, um, if that doesn't end up airing at the end of this podcast, we thank you for listening until next time. So long. Wakanda forever. forever.